When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the We Are Podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Jared Prugar. His name is Corey Geiger. Corey, it was another disappointing game that Penn State should have won against the top, uh, against the sixth ranked team in the country in Michigan. Just very disappointing, Jared. Just very disappointing. What we're going to talk about today is just where is Penn State football right now? Where, where is this program? With obviously the goal of being elite, being a playoff contender, winning a Big Ten, where is it? I wrote a few years ago, Jared, a few years ago, has James Franklin already peaked at Penn State? Uh, we had the magical 2016, and they've had some good years with Fiesta Bowl and Cotton Bowl, but you know the, the reality is, you know, four and five last year. Six and four right now. He's 10 and nine, and in his last 19 games, right now, Jared, this is an average football program. I mean, it's an, you can say above average, but they did lose to Illinois. So we're going to get into that. And I, I think that, you know, you can read my column at DK Pittsburgh Sports, and I really took James Franklin to task. And we'll, I'll repeat some of that here in the podcast. But, Jared, it's just, it's not acceptable. The, the, the bottom line is, this is not acceptable for one of the great football programs in this country with 109,000 people at a football game. And yeah, Michigan's the number six team in the country, but your offense looked awful most of the day. You had the lead with five minutes to go. You couldn't hang on. These problems just persist. If you're going to talk the talk and you're going to talk about being elite and beating the elite and do those things and recruit nationally as one of the top five teams regularly, You've got to back it up on the yep. field. And they haven't done that since the 2017 season. Um, and, and granted, that 2016 season, you have Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, Mike Kosicki, you know, Connor McGovern up front. And those teams were incredible. That team was great. Those players are great. They're, most of those guys, if not all of them, are playing on Sundays. But it's got to transition to, from year to year. 2017, they had Trace McSorley. They had Deshaun Hamilton, KJ Hamler, and they had Miles Sanders. Those guys are playing on Sundays. Now, you know, 2018, 19, 20 was a disaster. 21 has been less than stellar. This is a team that if you're going to talk about being elite, you have to beat Ohio State. Granted, James Franklin has done something that 
Jim Harbaugh is not done. That's beat Ohio State, and that's beat the Big Ten or uh, and win the Big Ten championship. However, that all happened in 2016. Other than that, what's he got to show for it? Okay, so then there's this attitude out there. All right, I, I, I'll, I'll do this. All right, we we can approach this two different ways because not all pens. State fans are ready to jump off a ledge and just be extremely hypercritical of James Franklin. Some will still give him a lot of credit for what he did in 2016. And again, they went to a festival and a cotton bowl. All right. Uh, go read Ben Jones's column at statecollege.com folks, and then go read my column at DK Pittsburgh sports. And that's where you'll see kind of the two differences in, I'm not saying make excuses. I'm saying that uh, Ben, Ben Jones, good writer he's a little more uh level uh level headed in 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 some ways than i am i i i will admit i can be critical but we probably represent the two viewpoints there will be the van, the fan page part of the fan base out there jared that will say hey you know james has done a lot of good things he's got good recruiting on the you know it's not the end of the world to not beat ohio state Okay, I mean, really, at the end of the day, if you're the second best team in the Big Ten, that's not all that bad. But the problem is 10 and 9. You can't get past it. You can't say that Penn State is the second best team in the Big Ten. They lost to Illinois. They lost to Iowa. They went 0-5 last year, and the teams they beat at the end, I keep saying this over and over, were not very good. They won four in a row, and everybody's like, oh, they turned the corner. Those teams weren't very good. And this year, they've so really, so there's two ways to look at it. And I'll get your thoughts, Jared, because you might be more in the, the Ben Jones component. I look at it as James Franklin has failed in over the last three years. Now, he obviously has had a lot of success, but he promised to make Penn State elite. Penn State is further away from being elite today than really it was at any point since Minnesota, the Minnesota comeback that you keep mentioning in 2016. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with Ben. I think, you know, it, it, there's only so much coaches can do, right? I mean, you can't go out there and play for them. And, and as a coach myself, I, listen, I would love to go out there and throw passes. My, I'm 5'7". I can't see over the, over the line. Um, maybe I would slither through a hole here and there. But again, James Franklin can't out, go out there and execute for Sean Clifford. He's not the reason why Sean Clifford throws an interception. He's not the reason why Sean Clifford fumbles a snap. He's not the reason why the offensive line gets turnstiled against two of the best defensive ends in the country. However, his job is to put his team in the best position he can to be successful. Against Iowa, they weren't anywhere close to that. Against Illinois, in the, in the 95 overtimes, that they couldn't score two yards away from the end zone. He didn't do that against Ohio state. It's a, it's a Sean Clifford fumble that sways that game today. It was a defensive mistake. It was a, as a, as a rub route, two defenders collided and, and Michigan gets the biggest play of the game and the go ahead touchdown. And is that James Franklin's fault? No, he can't execute, but he's got to put his team into position to succeed. There's no excuse to not, as a Big Ten team, as a, as a team that you want to claim that you're elite, and at the time, the number four team in the country, you have to have a backup ready at Iowa. You have to come out ready to play or even play somebody that's healthier than a Sean Clifford against Illinois. That is on the coaches. 
Jared, a, a month and a half ago, this was the number four team in the country, and they've gone one and four since then. That That's not going to cut it, okay? You can try to be level-headed. I, I don't want to just drop a hammer on James Franklin. He's probably still going to be the coach here for a while because I don't know that USC or LSU is going to want him now. Um, if they lose Michigan State and they finish seven and five, well, you know, we'll see. But at the end of the day, uh, James Franklin – signed off on a fake field goal at the end of the first quarter. And to be perfectly honest with you folks, I don't mind going for a fake field goal. Jerry and I talk about this all the time. I, I'm not going to judge a decision based on the outcome. To me, I, if a coach is going to go for it on fourth and two at whatever, or try a fake field goal or fake punt, I'll judge, I'll judge the decision based on the decision. James Franklin mentions this a lot, and I do agree. We always judge coaches on these decisions based on the result. I don't mind going for a fake field goal there. The play call was horrific. The play call was horrible, okay? Jordan Stout said, hey, that works. That's worked in practice. Well, you don't have – I guess you're not working against Michigan's caliber of defensive players in practice, although Penn State's got good defensive players. That was just a terrible call. So, Jared, that's either three points or seven points. If you have a better call, it's seven. If you just kick a field goal, that's three. How different is the game if you get those points? Again, I don't mind right. the call, but those are the things – that we can blame James Franklin for. Seriously, we, we can talk all we well, want about he, he's not throwing the passes, but decisions in games, he is not. And nor has he ever been a very good game coach. No, no, he's definitely not a good game manager. And and that's okay. That's not his that's not his MO, right? I mean, he's he's CEO, but as a CEO, you're in charge of what happens in your company. And listen, Phil Troutwine comes to town highly lauded. They think he's gonna be the answer, the savior. Penn State's offensive line was okay last year. They were semi, you know, okay. They they weren't as inept as they were this year. Against Michigan was really when they started to pick things up. Um, and, and the Penn State running game really wasn't that bad today compared to, you know, some of the other games this year. But James Franklin's in charge of it. And, and maybe that's, you know, the, those expectations, right? We, we They bring in Mike Yersich because anything's better than Kirk Shiraka. Um, and – they bring your in and he's supposed to be this hallowed guy that was, you know, this, this big time Justin Fields guy at Ohio state. And he was great at Texas. Texas football is not back by the way. Um, but now it's a little different. Do you have the horses in the stable that can run what you want to run and beat these teams every year? Penn state goes out on the recruiting trail and gets beat by Ohio state. They're losing oh, Penn, They're losing Pennsylvania guys to Ohio state. Ohio Here. State is the premier team in the Big Ten. How can you beat them? you got to get the dogs. And not only that, you have to develop them. When's the last time Penn State had a five-star quarterback that they developed, or any quarterback that they've really developed? Tracer Sorley was a safety. He was a three-star safety, came to Penn State. He had, the, he had the makeup to make it happen, and the players around him to do that. Sean Clifford, average quarterback, has the best receiver in the country for the last two years, and – you see where it's getting them. Here's the problem, Jared. How many times has everyone defaulted to James Franklin is a great recruiter? They've got a top five or whatever recruiting class coming in next year. Everybody has said, right? James Franklin's a great recruiter. James today after the game Saturday said, we just, you know, we don't have the kind of explosive playmakers beyond Jahan Dotson. They for, threw for to Cam Sullivan Brown two times with the game on the line. 
Well, the issue is, is whose fault? Okay, but that's a separate issue. Whose fault is it that you don't have the playmakers? If we're going to anoint this guy a great recruiter and then you don't have the playmakers that you need, whose fault is that? And where I'm going with that is extremely important, okay? Because I'm talking about the future here. All right. I have a call in my column. Do Penn State fans even want James Franklin? I think that's a legitimate question. Not that he's going anywhere. He's not going to get fired. He's got four years left on his contract. I'm asking every Penn State fan listening to us, do you want James Franklin to be the coach? Well, why? Well, because he built it. Well, what's he done in the last few years? Well, because they got a great recruiting class coming in. Well, okay, but that recruiting class is not going to – we're not going to know about that class for another two or three years. James has had all these eight years to get recruits. And now you're in a situation where you don't have enough playmakers and you're going six and four. And you're, you're lamenting the fact that once you look, take Jahan Dotson out of the mix, you don't, you see what I'm getting at Jared is that if we want to just call this guy a great recruiter, don't we have to question the fact that, you know, the, the, the recruiting has not gone anywhere near as, as well as maybe people would like to think on a, on a wide scale basis. Yeah, I mean, recruiting is a, is a different beast. And now analyzing and, and, and analyzing and, and really evaluating talent at the high school level, there are so many different factors in that because every state has different classifications, single A up to 6A, wherever, you know, different levels. Well, the quality of play is different every level. You have Drew Aller who's throwing lights out um, at his level. But that's different than, say, let's say, let's, let's, let's bring this back to, to Altoona or, or Pennsylvania because – they have six classifications in Pennsylvania. High or low A football or single A football is much different in the world than playing um, playing the Central Catholics of the world, the um, the Penn Tra- the Penn Traffords, the the you know the Pine Richlands of the world. I know they're in different classifications, but that matters. That matters in evaluating because if you're a big fish and you're playing in a small pond, you're 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 a stud athlete. And you're playing against single A competition, you know. You look at Makai Flowers, who plays for Central Davenport. He went from, a, I believe, a single A team to a six A team. All right. And have we heard much about him? And this is not this is not a knock against him. In fact, we played against him, and he's every bit of the player that he is. But it's a different level of competition, and, and these that coaches, matters too. These that coaches are too. paid. These coaches are paid to find out and make sure they bring in the right guys. But again, if there's a portion of the fan base out there that says, "I don't want to lose James Franklin because I don't want to lose the recruiting class," well, how did you get to this point where you're looking like like you're you're going to finish seven and five, and you've gone ten and nine in two years, and the coach is saying you don't have the horses? You, you don't have to worry about play. recruiting at Penn State because Penn State recruits itself. Well, Penn State's program recruits itself. It I don't has agree a potential. With that. I don't agree do with that. that. I don't. I dis. I disagree with that vehemently. To be perfectly honest, you can get a certain level of kid. You can go out and get all the three stars you want. If you're going to beat Michigan and Ohio State, you'd better damn well get your share of four and five stars. And he has done. You know, he's done a, a good job at that. But which is why it's so alarming. This is the bottom line for you know as we wrap up this segment. That's why it's so alarming that they've got to throw to a Cam Sullivan Brown, you know, where's that pass to Parker Washington? Where's that pass to Keandre Lambert Smith? Well, why don't you take a timeout so that John Dotson can actually go back in the game? Yeah. He's got to sit out of play because he, he got banged up. You can, he, if you take a timeout, he can actually come back in and it's fourth and two and he's on the field. These, these are all the things that for, for all the success James Franklin has had, 
in a what have you done for me lately world, there are a lot of questions about whether or not he can take, not only can he take Penn State to the next level, can he get Penn State back to the level that it was at a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, and, and you hit the nail on the head. What have you done for me lately? And the results haven't been there. Sure, you can recruit all you want, but once they get to campus, there, there are no stars. But we're going to touch or we're going to take a quick little break here and then we'll get back with you here on the flip side on the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Enough about James Franklin and where Penn State is. Let's talk about the game because this is a game that Penn State could have and should have won when it's by the time it was all said and done. Yet, they came up just short. It's interesting when you analyze sports. Michigan was the better team. Michigan was the better team for the longer majority of the game. And yet, Penn State found itself with one drive one touchdown drive, and then a strip sack by Arnold Ebikiti, and now you've got the lead. Jared, at, at any point up until they had that touchdown drive, when it's 14-6, whether you're a fan, whether you're an optimist or whatever, did you, did you think Penn State was going to win that game? I mean, it, did you feel confident that Penn State was going to win that game, or did you get the feeling that Michigan was going to find a way to get this done? Yeah, I mean, when they when they scored that touchdown, when they went up fourteen to six, I thought it it was at that point. That, and I honestly, I do, I think I said that to you out loud in the press box. I said that was the game. Um, I thought Penn State was. I didn't think Penn State had the 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 power to to get back into the game and, and not to get back into the game, but to to score there and 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 really you know <laughs> do their job. But you know, kudos to to Penn State. They. They got the they got into the end zone. They tied it up at fourteen, but the 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 dagger was that they kept getting field goals rather than touchdowns. And we talked about this on your on the radio show uh, earlier this week. Touchdowns are more important than field goals. You can't Stout, keep doing that. And Stout missed one field goal. Uh, the dagger is that Penn State's offense is not very good, and that. I, I just cannot believe we're this deep into this season. Now, Michigan's got a good defense. Michigan's got good defensive players. Jared, Penn State had 145 yards and 10 first downs in the first quarter. Over the rest of the game, in three quarters, it had 187 yards and 10 more first downs. Mike Yersich was brought in to lead an explosive, dynamic offense. Mike Yersich has to be one of the most disappointing hires I can remember at Penn State, period. Now, in year two, and if he gets Drew Aller, can he redeem himself? Sure. But in terms of expectation and hope, really, versus result, I think Mike Yersich is the single most disappointing hire that I've, I've seen at Penn State. Now, think about that, okay? Because he fired Kirk Scirocco, and we were all over Kirk Scirocco. Kirk Scirocco's offense was way the hell better than this, folks. Way better. This team can't run the ball for anything. And so that's why I'm, I'm sitting here saying that 
you know, I didn't feel confident that Penn State was good. For Penn State to win the game, you need a phenomenal effort out of your defense. And, and they, they got it. And they give you that from, you know, most games, most of the entire game. And then one play. You mentioned the rub play uh, with Kalen King and Daquan Hardy running each other, and it leads to a 47-yard. And boom, one play. But that's how perfect the defense has to be because the offense puts this team – puts this program into a bind because it's just not very good. Yeah. I mean, you, we talk about complimentary football all the time and Penn state's defense has brought it to the table every game this year. I, in my opinion, I mean, they, they're doing what it takes to win games, the offense, there's much to be desired. And you know, that's, that's not what you want from a guy that you bring in. And I understand, listen, let's, let's, it's not all Yersich's fault. We, we, there's so many expectations and, and the lofty goals. Mike Yersich, the, the savior of this offense. But let's be real here. This is the fifth offensive coordinator that Sean Clifford has had. You know, that's, that's an issue. This is the fifth different scheme an offensive coordinator has had. You can talk about terminology all you want, but blocking schemes, route trees, everything is different depending well, on the right. offense. Well, Sean's so, gotten better. Those, those things you're talking right. about, the blocking right. schemes, just, just all of those things. Hey, look. I don't know if Phil Troutwine is the problem, the offensive line. I don't know. Is it the people that you have? Is it the personnel? Can is they the do personnel? what they want you to is do? Is it the coach? Is it your system? I keep saying this over and over and over. I was a huge Miami Dolphins fan growing up. Dan Marino is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the history of the, of the game. They're all, their running game sucked basically forever. Why is that? If your entire focus or 80% of your focus is on throwing the football, you don't develop that kick-your-ass mentality of blowing people off the ball, running the ball. So to me, again, is that Mike, is that Phil Troutwine's fault? Is that Mike Yersich's system won't allow for this type of running success in the Big Ten? I mean, here's the thing. We're supposed to say Penn State ran the ball better today. Had 109 yards. 109 yards. That's what they average, by the way, as the number 117th ranked rushing team in the country. Yeah, I, it, and that's a good day. That's not good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who's, who's, whose fault is it, right? It, again, the coaches can't go out there and play for them. But, again, do you have the dogs that can go out and fight every game? And these guys are, are high-level Division One athletes, and, and these guys aren't getting it done. Is it the running back's fault? I mean, they're running into a, a pile of people. You know, the outside run – really looked okay for Penn State, but they kept, you know, running up the middle. You know, you, ha you have Dotson, you have Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange. You know, it, you have to use those guys and get them into space. We talk all that we've talked recently about Penn State running to the short side. Get the ball, get your playmakers into the open field and see what they can do. And I, they haven't been doing a very good job of doing that and putting these guys in conflict. You know, where you have maybe one more blocker than they have a defender. But, again, without us sitting there at practice and seeing what they're doing, why they're doing it, and, and, and why, they're, why they are the way that they are, it's hard for us to sit here and say, hey, it, it, let's point to, to Phil Troutwine. Let's point to J1 Sider. You know, let's point to Mike Yersich. Whose fault? Who, where does it lie? And, and, that, it, and it's a mix. It's a team game. It's the, it's the coaches, the players. you got to go out and execute. And, and a lot of times – Penn State doesn't execute when they need to execute, and they didn't against uh, Michigan on Saturday afternoon. 
Yeah, that's, I agree with, with all of that. And so how do you fix it? Where do they go? Um, you got to think Yersich will be back. Um, there's two games left. Look, uh, they got Rutgers. They, they've still got a chance to salvage something if they can win at East Lansing. You know, they could maybe play some spoiler role uh, for Michigan State. But at that point, you know, how many people – what's, what's the buy-in at that point, really? And then you got a bowl game. And what will the buy-in be if you're seven and five and you're going to the Nashville Music City Bowl? How many guys might opt out of that? Well, hey, maybe they're all country music fans. Maybe they want to go win a chance to see Carrie Underwood or Taylor Swift. Nashville is a gorgeous place. We were talking earlier. Jared's a big country music fan. Uh, I I listened to a lot of country growing up. Nashville's a gorgeous. I wouldn't mind going there for a bowl game. But it's seven and five. Is Jahan Dotson playing in that game, Jared? I mean, really, you know, is Jahan Dotson going to risk his – $20 $20 million he can get as a first-round pick by playing in the National Music City Bowl. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I don't know. We're supposed to say, well, these guys need to be loyal and finish out their careers, whatever. Those bowl games generally don't mean anything when you're playing in that level of a bowl. And that's – I just cannot – I can't escape that they were the number four team in the country. Now, they were not in at any point ever the fourth best team in the country. Let's be realistic. Iowa was one of the worst number two teams we've seen in a long, long time. And Penn State was number four based on beating Wisconsin and Auburn. Penn State was vastly, vastly overrated. But it took falling off of a cliff, losing four of your next five, for us to realize that. And and that's expectations. You mentioned this earlier, Jared. I just wanted to touch on it real quick. James Franklin raised the expectation at Penn State in 2016. They won the Big Ten two, three, four years faster than anybody possibly could have imagined coming out of the scandal and the sanctions. And he will always be remembered for that just incredible 2016 season. But he has not been able to meet the expectations. He he set the bar so high, and then he makes the elite comment in 2018 and this team is just so far from elite right now that uh, you just have to wonder, as we started all talking, what is Penn State football right Right now, Penn State football is an average tw- number 20 to number 30 team in the country. Yeah. I mean, they, again, the results matter, and there have been no results. Uh, he hasn't beaten Ohio State since 2016, and we talk about moral victories and whatever. you got to beat the teams that are ahead of you. Yes, the Big Ten East is tough. You play Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State every year. It's a gauntlet. It sucks. Get over it and and win the game. Win games. Competing with those teams is great. But, again, the results have to happen in the win column. Wins matter. And when you don't win, then, hey, you got to figure out a way to make it happen. If you're Indiana and Purdue – and Maryland, you strive to be able to compete with the big boys. Your goal is to be able to compete. Penn State's on a different level. Penn State, the goal needs to be to beat those teams. And so I wrote about the moral victory at Ohio State because, again, we've talked about this a lot, Jared. It was 27-24 in the fourth quarter. Penn State was right there with a chance to win the game against a team that's going to win the Big Ten and go to the college football playoff. And Penn State was right there. And so there's a lot to be said for that. But then you lose this game to Michigan at home. You got it. You, you got the lead with five minutes to go, and it just this downward spiral. Um, moral victories are not going to cut it at Penn State. And 
are we just supposed to look at this as an above average football program? Because no, I, I think I think the I think the expectation at Penn State, both long term and for James Franklin, has to be that you've got to do a hell of a lot better than this. Yeah, I mean they have to again. You have to step up. You have to win games that you that you're not supposed to win. As as one of the teams that has won the Big Ten championships, that's not named Wisconsin or Ohio State. You have lofty expectations year after year after year. Four and five isn't going to cut it. Six and four, six and five isn't going to cut it. it. You know, you have to go out and win games, and you have to win games like Saturdays against Michigan. And hey, that's when you figure out how good of a program you are. You know, winning winning cures everything is the saying, right? And right now, they're not doing a lot of winning. But we're going to talk more about Penn State football in the future when we get back from this quick break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, the season isn't over. As much as we want to talk doom and gloom, the season isn't over. Penn State still has to play two more games, a third in the bowl game. Um, they got Rutgers coming to town next week. They should, they should win that game. However, what can we expect from the Nittany Lions in that game? Okay, I really just kind of dismissed this game for a while. Uh, Rutgers beat Indiana Saturday, 38 to three. Well, Indiana's really struggling. So what do you glean from that? Because last week Rutgers got destroyed at Wisconsin, 52 to three, or I'm sorry, at home against Wisconsin, 52. But you know what? Rutgers won at Illinois. So I I, want to just dismiss this as, you know, Penn State will beat Rutgers and they'll go into East Lansing with a chance to go eight and four. And they should, because if they look, Jared, if we're here a week from today talking about a loss to Rutgers, I, I can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around that, to be honest with you. I, 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 it would, it would be devastating for this football program and for James Franklin if they lose to Rutgers. So I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, and they 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 still got a shot to go to Michigan State and win. I mean, they they can do some things. Michigan State is, is a good team, not a great team, but a, a really good team. So eight and four is still on the table, but so is seven and five. If they go six and six, oh my God, help us all! If they go six and six, Sandy Barber is going to have some have some serious conversations with James Franklin and where the direction the program is heading. That's a great point. What are the conversations? Let's talk about that. What what does James Franklin need? to achieve his goals at Penn State, Jared. You, you tell me what you think he needs to beat Illinois, okay? But, but what, what do you think he needs? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is consistency on the coaching staff. There's been a ton of turnover over the last few years. I mean, that's that to me, I think, is, is very important. This is probably the best the Penn State receivers the last two years with Taylor Stubblefield have played in quite some time. They're not going through a revolving door of receivers coaches like they had been. You know, J1 Sider has been there for, for quite some time. Brent Pry has been there from the outset. Terry Smith has been there forever. Anthony Poindexter just got there. Um, John Scott Jr. just got there two years ago. Same with uh, Phil Troutwine. You know, so 
and, and Mike, your stitches, this is first year. So my big thing is consistency in the coaching staff, because that's going to help with recruiting. And that's also going to help with coming together as an offense, because when you have these different moving pieces and, Oh, and Ty, Ty Howell, um, who replaced Tyler Bowen uh, with tight ends, you know, you have to have that consistency and that mesh as a coaching staff. And that's something that they didn't have last year. And you saw that. Um, but when you have that continuity and, and that consistency in the staff that translates into success on the field, because, Hey, now there's a comfort level. Now, now they know what to expect. Now they can, they can really get the full potential out of their players. And that's really hard to do when you don't have a relationship with them. That's very important. All of those things. And they have had the turnover turnover is to be expected now compared to the way Penn State football used to be where no assistant coaches ever left. But it's even more important, everything you said, because James Franklin is a CEO head coach. He has to rely, and, and we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're maybe not as familiar with every other program and every other coach and how the head coach handles the, the breakdown of duties, you know, like Penn State does. But we can tell you for sure that James Franklin is extremely reliant on his assistant coaches. And so I do think Penn State's got good assistant coaches, uh, but then you have to have, you know, really good X's and O's football head coach as well. And that's where Franklin struggles. But the issue I want to point out, Jared, is that James can talk about, you know, what he wants and more analysts and every coach wants more money for this and that. Is that going to help you beat Illinois? Is that, that going to help your defense not give up the one big play with four, with three and a half minutes to go to lose a game? You know, there, there are things that, to be honest with you, I think are, are, are becoming excuses because if, if you're 10 and two every year or 11 and one, and your only loss is to Ohio state, then yeah, go spend the extra two, three, $4 million to give James Franklin, whatever the hell he wants. You see what I'm getting at? Mm -hmm. If you're 11 and one and James Franklin wants eight more analysts so that he can beat Ohio state, you give it to him at six and four with losses to Iowa and Illinois. I just, I just don't know that that, I mean, is that, is that going to help? Is that going to make the difference? Your eight extra analysts, is that going to help you beat Illinois? All your last building upgrades, all your facility upgrades, that, that's got to translate to wins. You know, you, you can talk until you're blue in the face. Hey, USC wants James Franklin. LSU wants James Franklin. Everybody wants James Franklin. But the results have to happen. You, um, you can't not win games. You have to win games. You have to, you have to put it together in the football field. Dwight Galt is a god as far as strength and conditioning are concerned. But, yeah, the, their Penn State tests well in the combine, but combines don't win games. You know, getting guys to the NFL doesn't win games. you got to win games when it matters. And Penn State hasn't been able to do that since really, you know, the Cotton Bowl uh, a few years ago. Well, all of these things can help your program get better. But ultimately, we, we thought this Penn State football team had – Plenty good enough players this year. We all thought it six weeks ago. That that's they, but that's returning it after a four and five year. Yeah. Maybe our sure. expectations were awful. You know, that's true because last year was an illusion. I'll come back to it again. You know, look at look at who they beat last year at, at the end of the year. Michigan wasn't very good. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through the football. I'm pulling up the, the schedule here. 
as we speak, but the records of those teams that they beat in those in that four game winning streak, they weren't beating any juggernauts. They they got the wins over some bad teams. You're talking about Illinois, uh, Michigan State really struggled last year. Rutgers and then Michigan was bad. And then they so, come back. They come back this year and they're ranked in the top twenty five because they are a brand. The Penn State brand, brand of yes. football yes. is good. I mean, preseason football rankings are nothing but fodder to get people to click and talk about and debate. Same thing for the college football playoff for the first two weeks or first few weeks, because there's so much that has to happen. But we sit there and we break it down. Penn State probably wasn't the top 15 team that we thought it was. They, you know, they played their way out of the top four. They played their way all the way out of the top 25 now. Their schedule was difficult, yes. They won big games against Wisconsin on the road, Auburn at home. They beat Ball State, and they beat Villanova. And great. That's awesome. But you have – but they – you know, those rankings are irrelevant. You can't – you have those lofty expectations. Well, Penn State's a top 15 team after going four and five. All right, well, they should be pretty good. They should play like a top 15 team. Well, the reality of it is they weren't, and they aren't. And they're not even a top 25 team right now because I would imagine after this loss that around 2 o'clock, the AP 1225 is going to come out and they're going to be um, out. And, but, again, this was they, – they did have a chance to beat the number six team in the country, and, and they had a chance, chance to, to beat, beat Ohio State. Ohio State. And, and that's where it's just so – it's just so fascinating. I'll go back to the two dynamics, you know. You can take the Ben Jones approach and say, well, you know – maybe things aren't as bad and it's not terrible if, if you're not beating the one or two best teams in the league. And I just counter that by saying you're freaking Penn state. How good do you want to be? How you good? Want... You, what do you want to be? Well, yeah. what does Penn state want to be? Do you I mean, want to be an eight to 12 team in the rankings? Do you want to be a, a four to eight team? Do you want to be a one to four team? Well, you better step your game up if you want to be any of those the remainder of the season. Yeah. And, and it's not just James Franklin. The players are to blame here, too. And, you know, Sean Clifford on that last that, that last play, the, uh, the fourth down play uh, that he ended up throwing for whatever reason to cancel over Brown. But he had less than a second to throw that football. That yeah. that defensive front was in his grill. Like a tomato on a hamburger. And that <laughs> was just I mean, you, you, there's nothing that he can do. I mean, he gets it out as quickly as he can. But. He was sacked seven times, seven times. That shouldn't happen. Yep. Um, and, but the players are, are accountable too, not just James Franklin. And, and uh, you know, Penn State's got to look themselves right in the mirror. Hey, what do we want to do? How do we want to be? And where do we want this program to go? Because you're right. They are, I would imagine that they're probably further away from the 2016 team that they even were under the sanctions just because their expectations are much loftier when James Franklin took over. There were no expectations. The fact that they were able to put a, a serviceable product on the field was incredible, let alone winning the Big Ten Championship, let alone going to the Fiesta Bowl, let alone winning the Cotton Bowl, right? Now, those are, you're, you're expected at Penn State to go to a New York Six game, compete for the college football playoff every year. That hasn't happened. How do you get back to that? Well, you got to win the games that matter. And until then, they're just going to be mired in medi mediocrity. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating when you think about all of this because all of these discussions that we're having are based on the level of expectations for the Penn State football program. And, you know, seven and five, 
I mean, eight and four, eight and four wouldn't look terrible if you could finish with Ohio uh, win at Michigan State. That would that would be nice given where Michigan State will be ranked. Um, but boy, you lose that, and then you end up playing some kind of lower tier SEC team or whatever in the in the Music City Bowl. Uh, the opportunities the opportunities to turn this season around are are, are really slim at this stage, and so. Um, how, how are we going to, how are we going to view this Penn state season when all is said and done as a huge disappointment? Well, it's, and it's because of those expectations. Penn state's lost four games this year. No, five, four games by a total of 18 points. Nine of those points came in the, in the Ohio state game, you know? So, I mean, those expectations that, that are put on that team before the season or as a program as a whole are the reason why the world is falling apart and they've only they've lost those four games by a total of 18 points. You know, they're losing by single digits to every team, but you have, but at some point that's got to change. And is James Franklin, the guy that, that can do it, he's proven in the past that he can with less. And, you know, it, 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 at times you got to put up or shut up and Penn state hasn't put up in quite some time. Yeah. So where we are here with a game against Rutgers next week, you know, um, Got to win that. This this is as much of a must-win game as as James Franklin has had since since Minnesota. I mean, let's let's look look back in history. Uh, they lose to Minnesota in 2016. Uh, where where is where is that team? Where is James Franklin? They lose to Rutgers next week. You know, recruits don't generally jump off the ship you know, because of a loss or, or even a bad season. It's surprising. You would think 17-year-old kids would say, oh, my God, you're losing Rutgers. That generally doesn't happen. Man, you don't, you don't even want to – you don't even want to mess with that because uh, you, you, just, you just can't lose to Rutgers. So what James is going to have to do, what these coaches are going to have to do is keep everybody buying in. It's tough. This is when you test the leadership of, of an organization, a team, any any kind of group. When you've had this four losses, when you were the number four team in the country a month and a half ago, ago, th- this is very very disappointing for these kids. So they'd better come out ready to play against Rutgers because Rutgers, Penn State is Rutgers Super Bowl. Seriously, I mean Penn State's competing for these same recruits in in New Jersey and a lot of these this region. Uh, you can guarantee guarantee you that Greg Schiano is going to have Rutgers ready. Hopefully Penn State can can come out and really drop the hammer on Rutgers, but I mean, hey, with this offense the way it has struggled, I'm I'm not certain that it that it truly can, Jared. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's funny we sit here and we're we're talking about Rutgers, so I really don't know what to expect. You know, again, you you expect Penn State to win, but you know the, when the offense is doing just enough to compete against big teams, who's to say Rutgers can't win? At, at Beaver Stadium for the first well, time. Rutgers is going to be motivated. They'll, they'll be motivated. They, I mean, they're coming off of a gigantic win, uh, 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 score anyway, not that Indiana's any good. Um, but I, I was just kind of poo-pooing, ah, they'll beat Rutgers and we'll see. And, and I do believe that for the most part. But these Penn State players had better not had better not see, let that seep in because that's what happened against Maryland last year as a 27-point favorite and Maryland came in and kicked their, kicked their rears. And the same thing happened against Illinois, you know? Yeah, and Illinois, Illinois does deserve a special asterisk because Clifford was was not healthy. But, hey, Illinois, you know, they came in, they played good defense in that nine, nine overtime fiat. I still have nightmares about it, Jared, don't you? 
Uh, listen, when Penn State was on the two-yard line multiple times today, I thought PTSD for everybody that was there because I wasn't at that game, so I my mind was spared. But they actually, and, and, and this we're going to end this on a positive note because Penn State, two plays in a row from the two-yard line, converted, yeah. they got a touchdown, yeah. and they got a two-point conversion, and that's just simply magical considering where they were a couple weeks ago. So progress is being made in some areas on the field, albeit it's not resulting in wins just yet. Yeah. But, Corey, I think that's about all the time we have for tonight or today have a great sunday have a great week we will talk to you again after the Rutgers game next week this is the we are podcast the k pittsburgh sports podcast network for Corey geiger i'm jared prugar have a great rest of your week